0: There's one question whose answer has the potential to flip the world on its head. It's a question that has been asked by millions throughout thousands of years of history. And it's one of the most important questions that you and I will have to answer for ourselves. Who is Jesus? Was he a carpenter or a good teacher? Maybe he was a prophet. Or is he the son of God as Christians claim him to be? Well, the answer can be found in Jesus's I am statements, and Aaron begins our new series on Jesus's identity with his first statement, I am the light of the world. Welcome to Challenge.
1: Um, So tonight, like Chris said, I am starting a series on the seven I am statements of Jesus found in the, the Gospel of John. So in case you're curious what those seven statements are and what you're gonna be learning about the next few weeks, they are, I'm the bread of life. Before Abraham was, I am, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the vine. And then the one I'm gonna be sharing about tonight is I am the light of the world. So I don't know about you, but I feel like at the beginning of every semester, you we're trying to meet new people and sometimes you're trying to connect with people that you've actually never met before, like especially, in Freshman Connection, um, if you guys have met freshmen and I'm trying to connect them to me and I'm trying to describe like how to find me at the village, like they know my name is Aaron, right, but they're not going to walk around the village just yelling Aaron, that would draw too much attention to themselves, and so I try to like give some distinguishing things about myself, but I feel like I'm very average, like I'm of average height, I'm average weight, but I have really curly hair, brown curly hair. And that's usually how people can find me is because of my hair. Um, But I'm so much more than just my physical features, right? Like that's not who I am at the core of my being. And so Jesus came so that we could know God, that he wanted us to know who he was. And so Jesus came flesh and bones and blood, not so that we would know what he would look like physically, what God looks like, because there's not really any descriptions of what Jesus looks like, but who he was at the core. So these seven statements are really, they really possess enormous significance. Not only do they give us understanding to the life and the purpose of Jesus, but they link Jesus to the Old Testament revelation of who God is. So for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, this may kind of sounds somewhat familiar to you so remember when god was telling moses he was instructing him like i want you to go and free the israelites from captivity in egypt god revealed his name to moses as i am who i am he said this in exodus three fourteen. god said to moses i am who i am this is what you're to say to the israelites i am has sent me to you in judaism i am Is unquestionably understood as a name for God. So, whenever Jesus made these I am statements, which he claimed attributes of deity, he was identifying himself as God. And we read these verses, you know, as 21st century Americans and have no idea kind of what, like the mic drop moment that that was for his Jewish audience, that God would show up in flesh and blood, speak face to face with his chosen people was just more profound than we could ever really understand. And so these I am statements of Jesus are really no small statement to gloss over. That's what we're gonna spend seven weeks looking at these different statements. So the one that we're gonna look at tonight is found in John eight, verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this, when they heard the "I am the light of the world," Jesus' words really echo this. The words of creation in Genesis one three, and God said, "You know, let there be light, and there was light." So, when what was formless and void was suddenly illuminated at creation, it was huge. And so, those words really echo what Jesus was saying in this verse in John eight twelve. So we're going to just take it phrase by phrase and um kind of work our way through this one verse tonight so jesus begins by saying i am the light of the world so in this statement we see his unique divine identity and purpose he is not just a light he is the light of the world so in this declaration jesus told us that he is the exclusive source of spiritual light there is no other source of spiritual truth available to mankind there is the light of Jesus and there is darkness but there is no third option there is no other source of light for this dark world that's what light does right light exposes sin for what it is it's ugly it's destructive it does untold damage but light also makes the good things shine it reveals beauty So those of us who've been born with physical sight, we're able to see light around us. We can enjoy the creation around us each and every day. That's really a gift of common grace. And common grace is enjoyed by all of us, believers and unbelievers alike. But this idea of spiritual light, that was the reason that Jesus came, to tell us about it and to extend it to us. And so we see this, that he claims to be, and he is the light of the world. And then the next phrase is, whoever follows me, whoever follows me, not just acknowledges that I exist, but from the heart follows Jesus, that we people would, his invitation to follow is to repent, to surrender from going our own way and leading our own lives and actively living under the authority of Jesus. So this idea of following is really like an active Pursuit, not just passive. So, following Jesus means that I'm no longer following just my desires, my whims, the things that I think are going to make me happy in life. No, no, no. I am following Jesus, living under his lordship, living under his authority. And then the next phrase, so he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will never walk in darkness. That's huge. So this allegory that Jesus was using speaks of the light of truth, the light of his word, the light of eternal life, that those of us who are followers of Jesus live in his true light and never walk in spiritual darkness. So spiritual darkness is really the state of a person who is living apart from God. So it's the state of a person who's living apart from God. So this idea of never walking in darkness is really a reference to assurance of salvation. That essentially, for people who have decided that they are no longer walking their own way, they have confessed and they are repenting, and they acknowledge that life apart with Jesus, apart from Jesus, is there is no life apart from Jesus, and they want to live under His lordship and authority. They are free from the penalty and power of sin and can know that with complete and utter confidence. They have assurance of that which is a huge, huge gift in and of itself. So we see here that that spiritual light is really essential for spiritual life. And for someone who is living in spiritual darkness, light can be really unappealing, right? It exposes, it reveals, it illuminates. And that sometimes is not something we want to know about ourselves, right? Outside of a personal relationship with Jesus, we're in this, a place called the dominion of darkness. So Paul, who was an early church leader, wrote a letter to the church at Colossae. And we have this letter today, we call it the book of Colossians. And he writes this in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He's saying this about Jesus for he, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son. He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So God has rescued us and brought us into this kingdom kingdom that's ruled by Jesus. And we have redemption. We have forgiveness of sins through personal relationship with Jesus. Wow. So walking in spiritual blindness is really trying to navigate life without knowing ultimate reality. Like you can run, but you don't know if you're running in the right direction. Right? So you think about this, like even, In a home, in a place that you're very familiar with, if it's really, really dark and you're trying to walk through the room to get to the light, oftentimes, I don't know if you're like me, I still stumble or stub my toe or run into something, even though I kind of know the lay of the land. So when Jesus is talking about illumination, the Bible describes this as the Holy Spirit awakens our hearts to Jesus so that we can understand the scripture like we haven't been able to understand it before, that our minds are informed and transformed by truth, And that shapes our hearts, our perspectives, our emotions, like that is the work of light of the light of Jesus at work in us. And I don't know if it makes you feel better. Sometimes it kind of makes me a little nervous that that absolutely nothing is hidden from God, right? That's what this means as well. There are no secrets. I can have no secrets. There are none. There are no secrets from God. He sees everything and he knows everything. David actually wrote about this in Psalm 139, verse 11 through 12. He writes, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. There is no place to hide from God. It's it's not possible, not at all. You can't even camouflage yourself from God, right? doesn't matter what you're wearing, what's going on. God knows he sees that even those who are walking in darkness, walking apart from God are not hidden from him. There are no secrets. I heard a pastor say recently that secrets are the darkness in which death and destruction grow. That secrets are the darkness in which death and destruction grow. And I don't know about you, but when I think about living an open and honest life, sometimes I feel like it's risky. Sometimes I feel like it's too risky. So I want to retreat, and that's sometimes I do, to the shadows. But it's in the shadows where the secrets grow, right? And as the secrets grow, my sin grows as well. And it's easy to justify ourselves. I don't know, maybe you don't do this, it's just me, you know, that if I confess this to someone else, or right? let someone else in on that, they're gonna look at me differently. They're not gonna to relate to me the same way. And I don't wanna risk that, that's too risky. So I go deeper into the darkness and those hooks of death and destruction embed themselves a little deeper and pull me even farther back into the darkness. And it begins to cost things, cost damages relationships, right? Ultimately, as you've seen in the news and you see it all the time I feel like every other day, Someone gets caught in a secret, right? And it's the loss of career, the loss of a marriage, no relationship anymore with your children. Like secrets are costly. And God's invitation to us is walk in the light. Be open and honest. Confess your sin. God knows it. And that's what we talked about last semester with grace and this grace community that we live in. So one quick story about my experience with secrets, I'll only reveal one of my um, past secrets. Um, We don't have time for all of them tonight. So one summer, a summer long, long ago, most of you were still probably in diapers. I met this great guy and this guy loved Jesus. He was involved in campus ministry. We had a lot of mutual friends. We had a lot in common. And so I just was like, This is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. And I, you know, wrote the end of the story. We were going to get married. We're going to do campus ministry somewhere in the world. And it was just going to be the best possible life. So as the summer progressed, I gave more and more of my heart to him. And honestly, you know, hindsight is 2020. Um, There were some red flags, some flags that I just wanted to ignore. And thus I did ignore. After all, he was great. He loved Jesus. And I really kept this relationship a secret, and I could because it was the summertime. So, there's a lot more to this story, but I will spare you the details because of the time constraints on tonight, but to suffice it to say, some lines are crossed and I really regretted some of my actions. So, August rolls around, Neil wants to catch up about the summer. I'm intentionally vague, and Neil at one point in the conversation says, I think the following things were true of your summer, and he like lists out, I don't know how many things, maybe three to five, I can't remember, and I do not remember to this day what those things were, but what I do remember, and I will never forget, was that he was 100% accurate, and I was quaking on the inside, and so I'd been caught red handed, and I wasn't quite sure what to do in that moment, and so I did what, is my default to do in these kinds of situations is I looked him square in the face, eye to eye and said, you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what kind of summer you thought I had, but it was not that summer. So yeah, there was that, that had to be cleared up later. So then a few weeks later, Melinda pulls me aside and she expressed some concern that my life just lacked joy, that typically my life is characterized by joy and I was joyless so i was like oh thanks for letting me know i'll give that some thought you know but honestly i didn't pinpoint the lack of joy to the choices i was making in my life so time progresses and neil revisits the situation because at this point i have cleared it up and said okay you were right i lied to you i apologize you know will you forgive me so yes but he's like we need to talk about this some more so he explained to me that this guy was just really not treating me like i deserve to be treated he was defrauding me so he had Communicate to me that you really enjoyed talking to me, but that long distance was not something in the the cards and so we were not going to be dating. And so, but he continued to call me consistently like every day. So it was really hard to hear, you know, Neil say this to me about like, this guy's not treating me well and that, that I didn't recognize it myself, right? So it's like, ouch, that really hurts. So And Neil was like, you really need to tell him to stop calling you because this isn't right. So I told him, I was like, hey, you know, if this isn't moving forward, then we just need to stop talking. He's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. But then he continued to call. And I really liked talking to him. And honestly, the pride in my heart was this. I have a personality that could convince him to like me and convince him that this could work. So I'm just going to wow him with my amazing personality. And this is going to work. Well, that didn't work. So I got caught again. This time, it was on street cleaning day. Those of you who park your cars around USC, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, getting there before 11 a.m., you're not going to find a place to park. So what I didn't realize is that I had found a place to park, and I was walking to campus on the phone with this guy, but that Neil was still looking for a place to park. And Neil passed me on the phone with this guy and knew from the silly grin on my face exactly who I was talking to. So then Neil's like, hey, Aaron, who are you talking to? today. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, oh, that, oh yes, we are still talking. He's like, Aaron, what are you doing? He's not treating you well. And I was like, Aaron, my advice to you is to tell him to take your number out of his phone because he just keeps calling you and that's not right. If he doesn't want to date you, he needs to just end the relationship. So I did. And my heart was so broken and I was so devastated. But looking back, I am so thankful that God and his kindness allowed me to get caught. I needed that because looking at this guy's life now I can clearly see that we were not a good fit for each other. Now I can see that, but at the time I couldn't see any of that. And so what I learned is, wow, you can learn a lot from a broken heart, but that I caused myself such unnecessary pain and heartache by living in the darkness and not living in the light and being open and honest about something that I really wanted and something I thought was right, but I totally misread. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, thinking you knew better, thinking that no one else could understand, no, you just don't have all the information, but really it was me that the secrets and the deception was causing me harm and pain in the long run. And the reality is is that we're, we're all broken people, right? We are all in need of help. And thank goodness for the light of jesus that reveals things that illuminates that exposes it that that darkness does not overcome the light right that when i get home at night and it's dark and i open the door to see if there's any amazon packages on the front door that darkness doesn't flow into my apartment no light shines out so i would just encourage you that if secrets are keeping you from the life that god has for you I really urge you as someone who has been there, done that to first of all, confess to God, and then to talk to your life group leader or staff member and just get things out in the light. There's freedom, there is healing, there's hope as we live open and honestly, appropriately open and honest with other people. The whole world doesn't need you to know your dirty laundry, but there are people who really wanna help you and walk alongside you as you seek to walk in the light. Because the reality is, is that True followers of Jesus still sin. Though we're walking light, we are going to mess up. We are going to fall short day after day after day. But we won't follow the ways of sin. We will never live in a state of continually sinning. Rather, we repent. We repent in order to stay close to the light, the light of the world. And this is so beautifully illustrated in 1 John 1, 5 through 7. It says this, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's his kindness. That exposes our sin right that illuminates that exposes and he invites us to walk in the light again and again and again because that's where the life is right that brings us to the last part of this verse but let's read that the whole thing again i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life so what is this connection between light and life john 1 4 just a few chapters before the john 8 verse that we've been looking at tonight says this in him was life talking about jesus and that life was the light of all mankind that the life of jesus gives light jesus shares his life with us in those of us who follow him he imparts his light too so the reality is until the life of Jesus is imparted to us by the Holy Spirit, we are dead. We are hopeless. We are blind. But then we see it's illuminated, right? Jesus is promise- Jesus promises that he gives his followers light, that we have the light of Christ. And you know what that means? That means that we get to reflect the light of life to the world around us, just as he came as the light of the world, he commands us to be lights too. Let's see if this will work, friends. This would be much more effective if I was in the forum, but just go with me. Use your, your oops, not working. Your very vivid imagination. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Hold on. Okay, just use your imagination. This is lit on fire. Um, I want to close with this verse. In Matthew 5. 14 through 16, it says, you talking about believers, those of us who are followers of Jesus are depicted as the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. In the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven let me turn the lights back on so just as the moon has no light of its own but reflects the sun so we as believers get to reflect the light of christ so that those around us can see his light shining through us through our broken that we are, the vessels that we are, and the way we speak to each other, the way we speak about each other, our actions, the way we live our lives, that people get to see Jesus in us, his light in us, not our lights, because there's nothing in us that they need. They need the light and life of Jesus, and we get to extend that every single day. So as classes resume next week in person, which is going to be so exciting, may you and I remember that as we have experienced and give, been given the light of life, may we extend that to other people. So our prayer through this series tonight is that tonight and in the next six weeks that you will get fresh glimpses of Jesus. Jesus, the one who meets all of our needs, everything we need is found in Him. Even the things that we don't even know we need are found in Him, that we no longer need to grope around in darkness because His light has come. So let me pray and then we will transition back to Audrey and Matt and Jared. King Jesus, we are so grateful that you came, that you came as the light and the life that we desperately need. And so I pray for those who haven't chosen to follow you yet and don't know you as the light of the world, I pray that they would come to know you in a very real way. I pray for those of us who do know you, that we would shine brightly for you wherever we are, in our dorm rooms, in our apartments, with our families, on campus, on the weekends, wherever we go. Father, I thank you that In you, there is no darkness at all. And that in your kindness, you invite us to walk in the light. And what an invitation that is. I pray that it's one that we would continually do day after day. We love you and ask these things in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also leave us a review. It really helps us get these resources and messages to other people. This episode was recorded on a Thursday night gathering over Zoom. But whether online or in person, we'd love for you to join us. So get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, usachristianchallenge.com.